Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Happy New Year from the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review. This week, we are talking about the Smackdown broadcast live on September the 13th, 2001. This was the episode that took place in the wake of the September the 11th terrorist attacks. Now, it's not as light and as fun an episode of the classic Smackdown review as you may come to know for that very reason. And I felt I should give you a little heads up to say that we're going to be talking about some difficult subjects during this episode. And if this was maybe one that you weren't mentally in the right place to listen to, then you can skip it and we can catch you next week. But going into it, just wanted to preface it by saying it feels like a slightly different episode to normal for very obvious reasons. And we will be back to normal next Saturday. Stay safe and love you. Bye. So proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. Oh, the ramparts we watched were so Welcome to a slightly different episode of the Cold Lake Wrestling Podcast. Slow it down a bit and uh, preface this by saying that this is indeed a silly little get-together of two lads from that part of the world 
that hovers around jokes regarding tests being bad at N64 games. But we're going through a bit more of a serious introduction than usual because this is a very famous episode of a particular part of human history that a lot of us lived through. And a lot of us listening to this right now haven't, or didn't, I should say, uh, lived through. Uh, This is the post-9-11 episode of SmackDown. SmackDown, September 13th, Year of Our Lord, 2001. Yes, and it does a to myself, Matthew, and Tom Campbell, who are going to do our best to, you know, put a smile on things. It's going to be too dark and stuff. But at the same time, it's a bit hard to be too flippant about an episode as serious as this. What do you think, Tom? I think, before anything else, we should reference the fact that you called this the Cultaholic Wrestling Podcast, which is the one that you do the day before this. You cheeky little monkey, you. <laughs> you only get so focused on saying the you, really important stuff. You completely intro, fuck up the your, other thing. Your intro was sublime. I was, you're listening uh, to what culture? No. Is this good? <laughs> nailed it, mate. Yeah. Absolutely nailed it. Um, yeah, as, as, as Matthew said, uh, a slightly different energy for the first one back. Happy New Year, by the way. Um, a slightly different energy for the first one back. We kind of, we ummed and ahed about how we were going to do it, do this episode. It was never a would we, because we're doing every episode of SmackDown. Yeah. This, to, to, to not do it would be, would be a bit flippant, would be even yeah. more so. I think it's important to talk about it. A really important SmackDown for, for a number of reasons that, that garnered either incredibly positive or incredibly negative reaction. Oh, I wasn't aware of the, like, it, neg- oh, apart from one segment, which we all know about, well, we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of, oh, okay, you're not being trusted to hear this. It was, it, was very, it was very much either this was something that you, were, that you were very positive about or immediately something you were very negative about. There was no oh. middle ground on any of this. Fair enough. Um, before we get into it, I think we talk about the event itself. Um, which Good is idea. the which is the September 11th terrorist attack, uh, a coordinated terrorist attack that took place in the United States. So the CIA would reveal shortly afterwards that it was orchestrated by a Muslim Islamic extremist network, Al Qaeda, and the hijackers crashing two planes into the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York City, a third plane into the Pentagon and uh, the fourth intending to hit a government building in Washington, D.C. Famously, that plane didn't make its intended target as the passengers overthrew the hijackers and it crashed short of of where it was going to land. Uh, The attacks killed nearly 3,000 people. It instigated a war on terror. And genuinely, nothing has ever been the same since. It changed everything forever. It is a moment in time. Where were you, Matthew, when you heard about 9-11, when all this happened? I was just there. Specifically, remember, getting picked up from school by my stepmom. And I'd be like, hi, hi, how you doing? Um, like, terrorists have... Um, I, mean, I don't think she said that. I think she said planes crashed into um, America's tallest building. And me being a young kid went... Oh no, the Empire State Building, and she went no, no the, the World Trade Center, and I had no idea what that was. But because we all thought Empire State, but you think Empire State, yeah. don't you? And you think King Kong climbed it? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be big because old King Kong was yeah. up there. Obviously, we, King Kong obviously uh, did it in the seventies version. Did the tra- tra- was it Trade Center in the seventies version? I think Would you was it. I always I just thought so. it was always the Empire State Building. And I think they, the new version and ah. cracked the seventies version. No, they anyway. never, they never, they never quite got the energy right. No, so. 
yeah, been told that, and I'm going, all right, okay. Cool, what's what we're having for tea? You know, just it like, didn't yeah, resonate. Yeah, just being a Brit and all this. But then my stepmom had Sky News on every day after that. So you got to see that image about a billion times. And that was that week. Just a video. And it's like, all right, there we go. There it is again. And it really was that crazy period. I remember seeing my grandparents shortly afterwards and were like, because no one had any idea what was happening. And it's like, uh-oh, are all planes? Like, are, is anything safe right now? I know a lot of New Yorkers were like, um, had the same thing. Like, oh, okay, so what, what are we going to get attacked? What, are planes going to fly towards us? What's happening? I remember specifically being with my grandparents, them saying that um, Uncle Don had uh, gone to America on a plane. And it was just like, oh, no. Why listen to some of this stuff, especially Vince at the very start, hits so hard as just an act of defiance and... Some calm and rational thoughts during a uh, crazy time. Only a man who's, you know, as insane as Vince would be like, yeah, with my finest lounging around shirt on. And he did have a fine lounging stuff. around shirt. Because I remember the memory. That's why I like, I like the intro, and we'll get into it soon. Um, it's just like, I remember that going, yeah, thank, thankfully, he's just too arrogant and cocky enough to go, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but someone needed to do that. It gets them like, all right, yeah, yeah, don't worry, we can, we can hold events again. But at the same time, it, it hit hard when there's two things I've heard. One was, I wasn't sure if this actually happened to a friend of mine or they saw the same uh, copy-paste text that I'd seen online, which is when they were a teacher and they were talking about 9-11 and some kid in the class went, wait, this actually happened? I thought it was just oh. a meme. Which, again, I've seen in green text form. I'm not sure if he was saying that because it actually happened to him. I imagine it does happen uh, non uh, in a serious way. And the other thing was something I worked with going, she asked a question and goes, um... What year was 9-11? Was it 2000 or 2001? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, you're the same age as me. What do you mean? How can you forget that? How do you not know what year it it's was? It's just one of those things you don't forget. Like, It's incredible that there's people that go... Because there are now adults who, as you say, aren't as up on it and don't... And, and it wasn't part of their history. Yeah. It's part of ours. Oh, very important. You know, yeah. it was... Um, Outside of, sort of the COVID pandemic, it was the one time where you felt like the world stopped for a while. Yep. So my memory of it, it's a really weird memory. I was at, uh, I was at college at the time, and we live around the corner from college, so sometimes I could pop home for lunch. And I did this on this particular day because we had somebody coming round to fit on digital there's, there's a thing. Remember her yeah, on digital. About few, few, uh, the ITV uh, digital sort uh, of service that was going to rival Sky. We were getting it because my dad and my brother are West Bromwich Albion fans. They wanted the, the service that gave them coverage of Baggies games for the first time ever. Ah. So that was the reason why we got it. And I was round that day. I, was, I came home that day because I had to let the guys in as they set it all up. But then my dad came home while I was home just to make sure everything was all right. And I remember they were, they were plugging it in and they were going through the channels to show that it worked. Oh. As we came across, I think, Sky News or BBC News, mm -hmm. where they had the footage of the, the, the first tower uh, with smoke billowing out of it. Yeah. Which made us all... It was my dad, it was me, and it was two guys who were there to fit it. And we were just both sat watching this footage going, is this happening? And then whilst we were watching it, the second plane hit. Shit. Like, that didn't happen. That's not a thing. 
horrifying. And so we're just kind of like, we go back. I, I, I can't remember what me and my dad said to each other. I think that, because I went back to college and everybody was talking about it. And by the end of that day, like, you know, it was it, the word on the street was, oh, London's next. Like, oh, they're going yeah, for, that, and this it. weekend, they're going to attack London. Oh, London, they're going to take out Big Ben. And so it, it felt like it wasn't just America under attack. It felt like the whole world was, was under attack at this point. It was uh, a surreal time. I remember that weekend, like, my, I remember my dad talking to me about it later on. And my dad's very much of the belief of, you know, let's, you know, you've got to carry on. You've got to soldier on. You've got to get back to normal. My dad's a bit like, weirdly, like Vince McMahon in that sense. Yeah. Less sexual allegations. Um, but <laughs> it was very much like, you know, you, you know, we've got to carry on. We've got to keep going. And uh, my dad had that sort of spirit. But I remember being really very nervous. I would have been 17. So kind of clever enough to go on the internet and go into AOL chat rooms and see everybody saying, oh, another attack's about to happen. We've just heard this. And just getting swept up in all of that, which we all still do on the internet to this day. Mm-hmm. But certainly a, a moment in time. And you'll be listening to this and you'll, you know, if it was part of your lifetime, you'll know where you were. If you weren't part of it, I think this is a really interesting show to listen to, to see, like how the world as a whole reacted to it. Yeah. yeah. You coming in? Jack oh, Atkins very yeah. kindly <laughs> shutting the door Thank for you, Jack Atkins. What a boy. Yeah. What a boy. So let's... So I've got no like major notes about what happened in the wrestling world this week. Um, it doesn't seem massively important to what we're talking about, but I've got a sort of timeline of events that led us up to the SmackDown that we're going to see. That's lovely. Do you want to know what the number one song was at this time? Yeah, go on. Let's get a little bit of levity. What was the number one song this week? Blue, Too Close. Still there. Still hanging yeah. in there, are you, Blue? Yeah. It was... Real the, close. Yeah. The English Boy Band released a cover version of the song uh, as the second single from this debut studio album, All Rise. The band travelled to New York City to film a music video and whilst there, witnessed the attacks on World Trade Center. The following month, Blue were being interviewed by British newspaper The Sun, and Ryan commented that this New York thing has been blown out of proportion. What about the whales? Oh. Um, the Sun quoted Ryan as saying, who gives a fuck about New York when elephants are being killed? This caused a huge media backlash that resulted in Blue losing their US record deal and campaigns to sack Ryan from the group. Oh, my God. Christ. But don't, also, just to give don't an worry, idea of like... Stephanie McMahon's around the corner to... T- yeah, don't worry. <laughs> Hold my beer. Don't be Blue, Peter. <laughs> Um, there's something worse is happening so again just to I'm not bringing it up to be flipping I'm bringing it up just to give an insight no, like, that's, not, that's, everyone, that's, not everyone knew what the fuck was happening so uh, Jamera Kwai a funk odyssey which I guess we're going to say <laughs> you leave that for next week we'll then, save that for next week hi uh, combining elements of funk disco electronica released the album represent the peak of international commercial sex for Jamera Kwai oh. god you couldn't everyone at that age knew that man his big hat that one music video where the floor's moving Oh, phenomenal bit of business that is. Nice. That a, what a phenomenal video. Nice. Moulin Rouge, with an exclamation mark on the end, is the one film. Uh, I've heard lots of good things about it. I've never seen the bloody thing. Uh, Roger Ebert liked it. The movie is all colour and music, sound and motion, kinetic energy, broad strokes, operatic excess. <laughs> okay. That sounds like your dad trying to describe Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Other news in the world, the BBC unveils more details of the Saturday show, which will compete with ITV1's SMTV Live, but having a more grown-up feel to it. So is this replacing Live and Kicking? It must do, yeah. Because I remember the Live and Kicking just sort of, sort of staggered to the end of their run, didn't they? It looked so worn out and old-fashioned compared to SMTV Live. Mm. And also, it needs to be said, uh, the other big news which affected the country... During a recording of the ITV game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, contestant Charles Ingram wins the £1 million quiz. That happened this week! I, I forget this, and it gets brought up every year on Twitter, and I always go, I you just forget. Did that happen on, on September the 11th? Um, or was it in the week of? During the recording on 10th of September. So however, the pay, payout is later suspended when he is accused of cheating by his wife, Diana, and the accomplice, Cough, when host Chris Tarrant read out the correct answers. This is an inc- there's been documentaries done about Charles Ingram and his millionaire cheating scandal, whereby <coughs> that was sorry, it. It was, it was his wife and someone else in the crowd that were doing coordinated coughs, and you would see him like be dead set on an answer. And there's a, I think there's almost a, one clip... It might, I'm pretty sure there's one clip where he's dead set on one answer and you just hear like a cough that almost sounds like, <coughs> no. <laughs> like almost saying no. <laughs> <coughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he, it, he denies it this day, as far as I know. Well, he's, he's, made out, he's, he's made at least a million from it. Did he give the money back, did you say? I can't remember what happened. I just remember that being the thing because that was everywhere. Well, until, you know. I'd have spent it dead quick. Yeah. <laughs> Get it, get it gone, get it gone. <laughs> that was this week, that's unbelievable. Nowadays that happened, you cough and you did run a, you run a mile. <laughs> ITV rejects... That's very true. ITV rejects claims that Twiggy has been demoted as the main presenter of This Morning after reports from TV insiders had criticised her presenting style as wooden. She hey, will, I get it. It's good that. She will now take turns with Colleen Nolan anchoring the show alongside John Leslie. Christ <laughs> on a bike. And the, the big game... The big game this week is Advanced Wars, and I'll put as a bracket tell of a time for that. Yeah. Um, the game was not originally intended for release outside of Japan, but they thought Sodic will try it, and it's all rather well. I'm not liking it, but not enough to not trade it in for Grim Fandango. So. <laughs> and, and a bizarre little thing I couldn't find more information about. On the 7th of September, one million children and over 3,000 schools participate in experiment to discover if it is possible to create earthquakes by all jumping off chairs. I remember that as you well. You remember that? Yeah. It was like a quirky and finally on BBC News. Ah, yeah. And here it is, <laughs> decades here it, later. Here it is, it's still like relevant in the zeitgeist. Wow. What have they gone? All right, three, two, one. Oh, fuck, we're right. <laughs> 3,000 murderous bastard children. <laughs> we wouldn't be around to talk about Create tidal waves on West Coast. <laughs> I'll kill the bastards myself, says man, currently wet. It's a very different plot of the rig. <laughs> Just on Amazon Prime now. Kids, um, kids only hold a union together. and All the kids are united. Well, what are you going to do? We'll fucking create an earthquake. Oh, okay. We'll give you all the sweets you want. Calm down. There's, there's 400 of them already on chairs. Give them what they want. They're mean business. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, that was from this year. Oh, man. Well, there you go. Some other stuff that happened this particular week in 2001 that I genuinely forgot about. And it's easy to forget why, because such a monumental event took place in this week in history that sort of casts a shadow over all yeah. of that. And I know that that's when, during the recording of the Who Wants to Be Me in the episode, but I think they delayed it just to coincide with, I think it's off memory, the last episode of One Foot in the Grave. 
Oh. They went, fuck you, we're going to... It was the, the, the Wednesday Night Wars or whatever the bleed <laughs> Light the fuse, bring the, yeah. bring the boom, only for the, for the grave. <laughs> Seamless, Tom. <laughs> Thanks, mate. What was some of the wrestling news? Well, as I say, haven't really gone into the weeds on some of the big wrestling news for this week. Of course. Um, but what I've done instead is kind of give a little bit of a timeline that gets us to... The, to the live SmackDown on Thursday and sort of how we got there. Um, as well as watching SmackDown this week, I also watched Never Forget, WWE Returns After 9-11, which was the documentary they put out oh, in 2021. So I watched that as well, just to kind of get a, a broader picture and uh, some some really heartbreaking accounts of, of things that went on in the in the wake of the attack and in the, in mm. the run-up to Thursday. But... We'll go through it. So Sunday, the 9th of September, uh, WWF begins uh, a short run in Texas. So they're going to be here for some live events. They're going to be here for Raw. They're going to be here for SmackDown taping. And then they're uh, heading off to Tennessee. So the 9th of September, they have a house show in Dallas, headlined by the first Rock Austin match since WrestleMania 17. Okay, going heavy there. Going heavy. Uh, so Rock and Austin as a title versus title unification match headlines the house show in Dallas. Yeah, please God, sell out. Yes, please yeah. come to us. Uh, the Rock won by DQ. <laughs> so Did you see any idea of, the t- of attendance? Um, so a crowd of 400. Do you know what? I can, I can double check the attendance. Oh, no. Is it, so what, I'll do that and uh, you have a little feed of your things. But it was, I it, was, it, mean to throw you it comes at a time where... All this is happening, but business is down, which is funny when you watch the documentary, never forget one of the first things, one of the first voices you hear is Steve Austin's where he's talking about everything's going great. We're all having a great time. Business is up. Everywhere's selling out. And, you know, I'm not one to to cast aspersions on such a weird day, but we've been talking about this week to week. No, you're not. (laughs) We have (laughs) audio from 98. This is, this is a real, like, this is a really, um, ropey time for WWF whereby they're not selling out venues and they're having to cancel live events due to poor ticket sales and the roster is packed and 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 despite the fact there is this you know this this dream rivalry padding out on television like viewership is down interest is down so it's it's funny how I mean that's why you always take these WWE documentaries with with a little pinch of salt because, or in, in, in cases of some documentaries, like a bag of salt, because they, they tend to gussy up history a little bit. Gussy that bussy. They do. Uh, 15,600 at you the go. American Airlines Center. That's a hell of a... 15, I mean, you'd hope so for that. Yeah, God. Yeah, uh, and you got a DQ finish. <laughs> Thanks for the money. It's a house show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Monday, the 10th of September, we have Raw from San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're building towards WWF Unforgiven. All seems fairly normal. The plan is the following day, they're going to head over to the Combat Center in Houston, where they'll tape an episode of SmackDown, and off they go. Uh, the following morning, after the Monday Night Raw, they wake up, and uh, we hear about the terrorist attack for the first time, uh, with uh, two planes striking the Twin Towers in New York City, uh, the plane striking the Pentagon, and then later on in the day, that other failed at, uh, attack uh, on a government building in Washington, D.C. So... The moment these things happened, the America and essentially the rest of the world shut down. People went home from jobs. Public gatherings were cancelled, as you were saying earlier. Concerts were cancelled. All flights were grounded. 
all around the world, like like airports just they stopped they they stopped whilst they figured out what had happened. So of course, in amongst all of this, WWF's taping of SmackDown uh, in Houston on Tuesday is also cancelled uh, ahead of just because they don't know what they're dealing with. It kind of watching the documentary, it, it puts me in mind a little bit of when the pandemic first hit and how quickly the 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 world whilst they didn't quite know what was going on sort of scrambled to shut everything down and sort of get everybody safe that's kind of what this felt like so if you didn't if you lived through the you know you've been through the pandemic that's kind of what the the few days certainly in america maybe not so much everywhere else but certainly in america that's what it felt like just this sort of mad scramble to to get everybody safe now Vince McMahon is one for sort of going against the grain with stuff like this. We saw it during the pandemic, again, to mention the pandemic, mm-hmm. how WWE was one of the very few entities that was running in any capacity during a global pandemic. Uh, and even in this case, Vince McMahon uh, had several meetings with, with Bruce Pritchard and with uh, people on the board to say, we we can't just not put SmackDown on, you know. Vince kind of opened it up. He was, in the documentary, Vince sort of makes out that he kind of ummed and ahed about it. Like he wasn't, he, for a little while, he wasn't sure whether it was the right thing to do. And eventually he went, yeah, it is the right thing to do. I feel like Vince, the Vince that we know, was always going to put a show on live if he could. Now, they and so the decision was made by the end of play on Tuesday to to work to get a SmackDown live on Thursday. They still had the airtime, they had the infrastructure in place for it because they had all the, the rigs and the trucks in Houston uh, ready to go. So it's like well, we haven't got to do too much else. The roster is still here. Uh, we let's let's try and put a show on. So Wednesday morning comes. And uh, the phones are ringing all day long because Vince McMahon is keen to try and get as many as the roster to come along as, as he can. It seems from the documentary that it's a combo of things. The, the WWF stars were like, yeah, we, we were proud that we were there that day. There's some reverence from Edge, from Adam Copeland, both on the episode of SmackDown, which we'll talk about, and on the documentary because he's like should we not be home with our families but then if a lot of flights are grounded you can it's not the easiest thing to get home anyway Mm. so for a lot of the wrestlers the situation was well we are we're stuck in houston we might as well put a show Mm. on if we can but obviously there's trepidation because you know we we, we all think that we're in another attack imminent we think this is the start of something and that, that's gonna that's gonna rock the world. So there's there's trepidation all about it, um, and also in terms of whether or not it would go ahead at all. Thankfully, uh, WWF have some really strong connections in Houston. There are three people that helped get this SmackDown going. Right. Well, because the venue, the Compact Center venue, the the the, the managers of the venue, they're like, yeah, we, we want to put SmackDown on. We want to make some money. Uh, we want to put SmackDown on. But whether or not we'll be allowed to, I don't know. So the venue's up for having SmackDown on live on a Thursday. They're like, yeah, it's free. Let's do it. Um, the mayor of Houston needed uh, a bit of convincing, Paul Bosch. Um, 
sorry. Um, sorry. The mayor of yeah, the uh, the mayor of Houston needed a little bit of convincing, and he had uh, some, some people. Vince had some people in his corner that helped him get over the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, two two other important people was Jim McInvale, known locally as Mattress Mac. Oh yeah, you familiar with Mattress Mac? Only because I watch this episode and goes, "What the fuck is this guy on?" Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a bit behind him. So Mattress right, Mac is a bit of an unsung hero in all of this, uh-huh. right? So he's a bit of a local celebrity. You can't put the story to bed. Yeah, he's a... Because hey, he is a furniture salesman. He's a local celeb of the mattress world as well. He's a massive WWF fan. If you go to the big Mattress Mac warehouse in Houston, there's photos all up and down the wall of, of wrestlers from the, from the territories in the 80s and stuff that are having photos with Mattress Mac. He loves the WWF. He's got a lot of sway in Houston. He's a powerful man to know is Mattress Mac. Seriously. He's a powerful guy. He's well-connected. Yeah, well-connected bedman. All right, go on. <laughs> Get in bed with Mattress Mac and you'll all be right. all right. What did um, Sandman do? Go on. They, uh, he, along with local war hero Michael Thornton, uh, who will, who you will see a little yep. bit later on as well. Uh, they, along with Vincent Mann, went to the mayor of Houston and said, "Look, we're here. We've got this show. We can get extra. We can we can sort sort and pay for extra security. We've got everything to go. We want to get America back to normal. There's a big emphasis on normalcy in this documentary. We want to get America back to normal. The mayor of Houston says, "All right, do it." So you've they've they've had it agreed you can do a live smackdown on thursday but it's now like wednesday lunchtime and there is a genuine concern that they're going to put this show on and no one's going to turn up because it's mm. so late notice and also everybody's really scared mm. because they they don't know what's going to happen next yeah. there is no there's been this would and and on the wednesday afternoon once they sort of finished this meeting and the mayor gave it the the green light and they started doing local press for it, very quickly getting onto radios and getting in newspapers. Um, the, this would have this was about to become the first mass assembly of people since the yeah. since the attack on Tuesday, and it's something that they tout a lot in this episode. Mm. And it's true, it is the first uh, the first the first gathering of this magnitude since the terrorist attack. So they they really hang their hat on that because it's true and. They put out local advertising, and they're obviously people who... The, the lucky thing is, people had tickets for the show on Tuesday anyway. So it was a case of going, do you want to come on Thursday? And the, the fear was that a lot of people wouldn't want to go out, would be mm. nervous being in a public venue. But thankfully, the show had a very respectable number of people who were just keen to do normal things again. Yeah. Uh, in the documentary, we hear from NBA players and uh, and baseball players who... Had the for them the sport had been cancelled, they'd been yeah. postponed, and they were like, "We just want something normal. We want to do something normal." And so for them, it was like, oh, "Let's go to the wrestling. Mm. That's normal." Uh, in the documentary, as we get to Thursday now, um, they start talking about like putting the show together and the heightened security of it. Devon Dudley says something quite interesting where he says, more often than not, when he goes to a show, they breeze into a building. But like there's cues to get in, even if you're a well-known wrestler, because if your name's not Dan, you're not coming in. They are heightened security. They've got security dogs. They've got extra people in and around the doors. The process is much longer to get in, obviously, because everyone's, you know, being checked, double checked, triple checked before Mm -hmm. coming into the building. Um, they describe the atmosphere for this SmackDown as a, as really as as quite um, tense, but sort of 
supportive. There's a lot of people, like, they speak to a lot of the, the crew on this documentary, and they say, like, everybody was helping each other out. You'd see some people in the back rooms who were having a little moment just to kind of get, uh, get upset and be comforted. Paul Heyman tells a story where... Um, before before he went out, and we'll talk about his involvement in a second, um, Paul Heyman said that there was a, a crew member that he saw in the corner just sobbing his heart out away from everybody, and Paul went over and gave him a hug. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this guy says, are we going to get through this to Paul? And Paul says, do you mean like as a country, as a, as a people, or through this episode of SmackDown? Mm-hmm. And the guy went, I'll take a yes to either at this oh. point. And yeah. Paul's like, let's crack, let's focus on SmackDown and then let's fix the world after. That's mm. Paul's words. And Paul Heyman, like a New York guy, so this hits quite close to home for Paul. Mm. Um, so that's the atmosphere going into it. Uh, some last-minute decisions are made on how the show is going to go. Um, everybody sort of touts this as all babyfaces won that night, but then as, that's not the case. Our boy gets a W, and he's a baddie. Just saying. Um, but obviously the de- decision being to have... Uh, a lot of emphasis on like simple, clean, good guy victories, some mm. escapism in the middle. And as we will talk about at the end, a phenomenal dark match main event for the people mm. that came out for. Uh, but the show was going to start with Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, of course, Vince McMahon wanted to be the first person to walk out after this and speak. Yeah, It's a very Vince McMahon thing to do. Like as you referenced in his life, he... <laughs> fluffy color yeah. his lovely large shirt oh, oh you've caught me unaware uh, yeah right cash vince action yeah. figure now on the wwf aggression range um and the decision was made to take michael cole and taz off duty for the night by vince mcmahon he put jim ross and paul Heyman on the raw commentary team he just mm. said that he felt like that was that felt like the right thing to do uh, considering the gravitas of this episode of SmackDown, that's not mm. a diss to Michael Cole or Taz. No, I don't think Taz was uh, in. Maybe nowadays he could do it, but he wasn't appropriate for a serious episode. No way. He's still, yo, it's me, the Taz, me and Joey Numbers. It's like, it's like, yo, hope you guys are doing okay. It's like, nah, yeah. Ross and Heyman were very good in this episode, as we'll get into. They were brilliant. They were brilliant. And so they were tasked with uh, being the voices of the show and uh, some no- there's some notes on them to come as well. And Lillian Garcia was asked just a few hours before, uh, could you sing the national anthem? And yeah. Lillian Garcia, uh, bless her, she had her own story going on because she has friends that live in New York. Yeah. She said that um, on the... She found out because her phone rang and her friend said, just to let you know, I'm all right. And she's like, what do you mean? Of course you are. So no, I just want to let you know I'm all right. Have you seen the TV today? And this is a friend of hers who was in New York who was meant to be in a meeting at 8.30 who'd overslept. How many of those stories have we heard about people who overslept and consequently they're still here today? Mm. Like it's chilling. And she said that this friend of hers had rang and said, I'm okay, put the TV on. And, but then as she was talking to him, his phone signal dropped out. So like she couldn't get hold of him for ages after that. And there was, it's all worked. It, you know, and Lillian talks a bit more about that later in the episode as well. But Lillian was asked, like, will you sing America the Beautiful? Will you sing the, the national anthem? And um, she says, yeah, I'll be honored to. And that kind of sets the stage for, for SmackDown. I think that's so there's a few other bits and pieces that I, I'd like to drop in as we go. But that kind of gets us to where we are now. A little tiny bit of normality was restored just before SmackDown. 
because uh, Ricky Lake was on on this particular day doing a piece on backyard wrestling and how evil the WWF are for encouraging people <laughs> to fight in their garden. So the world is back to normal. Thanks, Ricky Lake. <laughs> so that aired on the same day as this, this, uh, this SmackDown, uh, this, this, this very unique episode of SmackDown. Um, let's go through it. Yeah. We are in the Combat Center in Houston, Texas. Vince is in the ring wearing a casual clothing attire as he can muster before a booming USA chant from the crowd in a ring surrounded by red, white, and blue ropes. Tonight, the spirit of America lives here in Houston, Texas, yells Vinny. Vince and the crowd extends their condolences to the victims. Our nation's leaders have encouraged us to live our lives the American way. This is the first public gathering of this size since Tuesday. Vince says this gathering is sending this message to terrorism. We will not live our lives in fear. The citizens of USA are not afraid. They're proud. And the WWF wrestlers are honored to wrestle tonight in front of you people. Crowd was into all of this as expected. It's easy to forget that most people had no idea what was happening and if everything was going to be attacked and every player, uh, yeah, they were going to have everything. We've already recapped there. No, we go over that. And yeah, exactly the right speech needed for that time. I think Vince saw himself as Patton giant fuck off American flag in the background and yeah obviously very grandiose he's very because he's arrogant he's going to lose money at the same time you needed someone like him to go don't worry yeah there the world's is... not ending uh, yeah so it's shit it's a shit sandwich all going to have to eat but then we'll digest it when we have to come out the other end his wrestling true story like up until we talked till this week I'd never seen this episode all the way through likewise uh, and this is it's a whole whirlwind of emotions watching it. Vince, this was the as you say, it was the right thing to do. As 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 much as Vince is very much demonized nowadays for some of the uh, trespasses he's made and the allegations and oh yeah, yeah. and well, all of, tells him one Vince, yeah yeah. Like, yeah 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 fuck twenty twenty two Vince yeah normal yeah. Vince yeah fuck yeah fuck the Vincent man that's become but this uh, Vince there was I get it the normality of like this horrible thing has happened. Let's put the TV on. There's that gravelly voice of Vince McMahon yeah. saying, you know, just like... Terrorists are pussies. Lay the smack know, yeah. down on terrorists, you know. If it, it couldn't... In, weird thing to say, but it couldn't have... This episode happening in Texas. It's probably helpful. There is some the serendipity about that, isn't there? Yeah. What? The state. That's him saying, what? Mm. Scared of stuff? The American flag. Oh, yeah, we're up for that. Bring your flags, which how many? I've got 10. Yeah. Like, yeah, Texas, absolutely the right place to do this this, this speech. America's heart has been wounded, but her spirit shines as a beacon of freedom. He got the words absolutely spot on. Independence Day, starring Vince. Uh, And after the Marilyn Manson theme, the whole roster comes out to pay respect. Even Sergeant Slaughter who probably used this as evidence of serving in the military because as close as he got was being on this episode. <laughs> Sorry, I did an attempted humour. I thought, yeah, I, thought, bastard. I, thought, I thought you were going to say as, as an apology for his trespasses at WrestleMania 6. <laughs> Sorry, WrestleMania oh, 7. Oh, there we go. Come on, Alan. Living Garcia sings National Anthem, as Thomas said, and the crowd erupts again with half the roster tearing up. It was an amazing... Do you know what? She fucking... Got a dry eye in the house after that. She God. belted oh. it. Even I got a little bit... Woo, mm. Hearing it like in 2022. Yeah, this, oh, my you know, God. The shots of wrestlers, just like the tears streaming down and it's... Yeah. And it has to be said, in terms of anthems, I'd put USA's mm. in the top 10. Yeah. Mostly because it's one of the anthems I've heard the most in my life because there's never a 
she was not to play it, I guess. But yeah, here it absolutely was the time to do it. Like, and there's there's beats in the national anthem for America that you can read, like Lillian did. You can really yeah, fucking I'm give it. You can yeah, it gives you brave. Yeah, you can't really do that. You could kind of do that with God save our gracious. God save our. Queen, <laughs> it's King, sorry. Yeah, it's, don't worry, I'm getting used to that as Fuck well. Fuck them all. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know what, America, well done. You've got a cracking anthem. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was the right thing to do. Lillian Gass, oh my God. Like, she might be my favorite person from the night next to maybe Vince mm. and maybe The Rock. Because as it starts, she's smiling. You can see, like, how fucking, like, held together she is. Like, like somebody's like, like, like an invisible ghost is kind of yeah. pulling her to keep her upright. She's just like, she knows she's just going to do this thing. She starts singing it. She gets into it. She fucking belts it. The moment she finishes, she just bursts yeah. into tears. Like the weight is lifted. This was such a big thing for her to do. In the documentary, she says, it felt like there was a weight on my shoulders that like I had to get this right. Mm. And just, oh, I felt every single fucking inch of the relief when she finished it, knowing, and she, do you know what, even, and it really got me, it really got me watching it, because she sang it, and then you watch her, she breathes out this breath, and she sort of punches the air, yeah, yeah. and that isn't like, that, that isn't America, that's her, that's yeah, just yeah, her yeah. going, go on Lillian, and I loved that, God love her, God protect her at all costs, she was great, that just, I think it was just, the tone in the first 15 minutes has been, Bang on for absolutely. what was needed. She got that big fist punch. She was thinking about the rock strudel. <laughs> Again, we're, just we're, trying to add levity. Weren't we all tonight? Uh, it certainly oh, were. Oh, don't worry. The strudel will get a run out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in the first of many segments, won't go over these too much, but maybe Tom's got some more detail. We speak to the rest of us backstage. Yeah, speak, I think um, there's, there's a bit of this, bit. wasn't there? There was. Uh, Edge gives us the first of many interviews to the camera. Being honest about wondering if they should have done this show or not, as you've already said, he reckons... It was, as it's their job to put smiles on people's faces, which is the WF line that they always love to say. But here it's like, no, no, again, they get a pass this week. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Santana, surprisingly. What are you doing here? And others get more TV time, but I'll skip, to be honest, because it's hard, <laughs> it's hard well, to take... Rick... It, it's, it's, it's like, like before Christmas, I wrote these. It's hard to take the piss without going into Well, do you know what? Do you know what? It's, it's one of them where I think... Like, I think we give a pass, as you say, because this is coming off the back of a, a horrific, a horrific moment in, in world history. And they're just having a camera and go, say something sentimental, go. For some, mm. they can find the words, like Michael Hayes is able to find the words because, you know, he's, you know he's, a, he's a veteran of this. There's a lot of young people on the roster who aren't really prepped for it. Some maybe yeah. have a couple of things that they say that they've maybe got ready to go. But for a lot of them, this is like... Like for them, that like they're they're young performers, young celebrities who are now being told, right, you are you have to be the face of hope in this country. Edge, off you go. Uh, to be honest, like, they're, they're not being that overly confident. Really sums up the th the attitude at the time. You, you know, they're not doing promos. Like just be you and sum up. It's like, well, I don't know how I feel. And it's like, okay, yeah. yeah, give us that. And there's a few through these, and we'll touch on them a little bit as we go. There's a few where they they must have gone on for a while trying to find the right words because you can hear how harsh some of the cuts are. Oh, some yeah, of them. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's, I think, just for brevity. Also, I noticed as well, it's another attempt to sort of, whilst keep the show going, sort of separate the the performer from the event. Yeah. 
tiny little way that they did it, if you noticed, everybody that had their ring name on there, they had speech marks. Yep. Tiny thing I noticed. So Edge was with speech marks. And not everybody calls themselves their real name, but but in lieu of that, it's like speech marks, Edge. Yeah. And I'm guys like Ivory. Ricky Santana was an agent. Like, yeah, we know you don't I didn't see know, him. I didn't even know he was with the company. I was, I was like, we've been doing this week to week. He's kept that quiet. Yeah, okay. But then yeah. Ricky as well, like Ricky's, Ricky's one was lovely. He gave an emotional message and he told his wife and his daughters and said, dad's coming home. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. again, like a lot of them are, are sort of, they're on this loop of, of, of Texas. They can't fly anywhere or the planes have been grounded. Mm-hmm. They've now got a show to do. And it would have been, by the time they get back to their families, it would have been nearly a week since it happened. Yeah. So I can't, I can't imagine the turmoil that some of them must have felt going, all of this going on, I just want to hug my family. I just want to hug my kids. So Ricky Santana was kind of the, the, the face of that really. And well done, Ricky Santana, on your SmackDown debut. <laughs> yeah, congrats, pal. I hope we see you again. <sighs> now those are over. Team Extreme head to the ring as Jim Ross and Paul Heyman start to commentate with Heyman saying as a proud New Yorker, he's happy to be here. Got a nice little note on that before you get into Go it. On. Um, Paul Heyman did that, as you say, that lovely bit. Vince, in Paul's ear, after he said that, said, you should be proud of yourself. Those are beautiful words. And then he paused and went, now entertain people, which is why you suddenly get oh. that lift of Paul going, it's a burn, it's a plane, yeah, yeah, yeah. because like he's gone, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. my bit, my boss has told me to crack on, let's crack on. So that's the little note there, which is during that little yep. pause when his voice lifted, he was being told by Vince, right, beautiful words, we love you, do your job. Yeah, and entertain, he does. Mm-hmm. Lance Storm and his new dude, Hurricane Helms, aka Geordie Summer, take on the Hardys. <laughs> With the crowd appreciating Hurricane's daft poses, JR wonders how the Hardy's going to be able to take him on without any kryptonite. <laughs> JR's getting in this as well. It's like, They're yeah, whatever. Fun. Just hang it. let it all hang out. Storm and Helms get matching poses as Ross wonders if Lance is going to become Helms' sidekick like Robin or... Uh, and then blanks on another name. So Heyman mocks him because you can't think of one. Kato, idiot. <laughs> Kato. We got their pulse on the uh, <laughs> pop culture. Kind of from the 60s. Classic. Helms puts on the cape and dives off the top, which adds more blam or kapow. <laughs> Jeff kicks out a two, but misses poetry in motion. Lance dodges a twist of fate, and Helms is able to take out Jeff on the outside. Solita lands an apron-based Frankensteiner for Jeff to recover. Take out Lance for Swanton. Fun, fast, pass... Ugh, that's a horribly misspelled word, Matthew. Try that again. Fun, fast-paced positivity. Perfect start to the show. Yeah. Normality is restored. The Hardys are in the opening match of SmackDown. And they won a match. And they won a match wow, as well. This is normal. Uh, the Rock, Terry Runnels, and Jim McInvale of gallaryfurniture.com give their thoughts. They certainly do. Um, Terry talking about uh, her beautiful child at home and saying mm. she's thinking about all the parents, all the children that don't have parents to go home to, and that's sort of how she's uh, focusing it. The Rock speaks always strange when you hear The Rock saying I, rather than The Rock. Um, I'm glad that we did The Rock's bit here because The Rock very much lifts the tone later on. The rock segment is is timed magnificently. Yeah. So they do it here, some and some nice words from the rock. And then obviously, as we say, Mattress Mac. Thank you the WWF for taking the bold step of getting the ball rolling, as George Bush said, and getting back to work. Jim, I think, goes on for a bit because oh, yeah, they, he gets cut off. They try to play him off like the Oscars. Uh, and uh, and welcome right as bad down. <laughs> yeah. RVD, the hardcore champion. Or 
Gustoy Chimel is there, the hardcore champion, <laughs> which makes me wonder if his name is actually Tony Chamel, but he can't say it right. Is <laughs> here to wrestle Spike Dudley. Uh, someone has thankfully realized it doesn't make sense for Spike to have the evil Dudley's new theme, so he's using their first one again. They must listen to the podcast. I think they do. I yeah. think they go back in time and go, let's listen. This, yeah. These lads so have made a point. The bad Dudleys have, uh, we're coming down, and the good Dudley has. It's just dial up. RVD <laughs> is willing to sell for Spike, which is nice to see considering the size difference and the lack of people wanting to do that with Spike. RVD resists the urge to launch Spike like Mini Me in Austin Powers 2 and has to actually work to get Spike down and utilizes, as you mean to say, a backflip chair to the face before putting him away for a quick victory. A mostly RVD squash with Heyman getting the chance to yell, no one gets as high as RVD as only he can. Any <laughs> yeah. thoughts, so? Uh RVD coming off the back of a little bit of heat. I think in the grand scheme of things for this week, it's irrelevant. But Get used to hearing that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he gave Austin a couple of stitches last week. There we go. That's, Take uh, a shot. That is one way to uh, endear yourself to the top flight is to... Um, in, potentially injure the champion who is already held together by matchsticks as it is. Yep. <laughs> well done, Van Damme. I thought this was fine. Uh, they kept it very simple for a hardcore match, which I think they, you know, in the, again, in the spirit of things, probably the right thing to do. Yeah. I thought it was fine. Ah, and then followed up with Chris Jericho, Sean Stajak, and Lita get a chance to talk. Any of the notes there? Um, I just put Jericho very much saying like he'd rather be in New York, kind of helping people, right? yeah. but he says maybe I can help in a different way by being here. Um, hug your loved ones a little longer. Uh, our fate and our destiny lies in our hands now. Uh, and cut! Oh, here's Michael Hayes. Uh, Michael Hayes, who gives us the the flipping history of the wars of America. Uh, and, <laughs> I didn't write this down. <laughs> uh, America, the one, the one, diff- the one factor <laughs> is that America will always fight and die for freedom. He gives us two sayings: "United we stand, divided we fall," and "Be careful what you wish for; you just might get it." Uh, he says he can't wait to see those responsible get it. Like, very passionate words by Michael Hayes. Uh, like, first promo he's cut in a while. Mm. And in, in such circumstances. Um, Sean Stasiak, just... I, I'd, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have asked Sean to talk. I I've gen- genuinely felt like he was uncomfortable doing it. I feel for him. That's just him in general, I guess. It might be him in general. He's not... Couple having a, a camera on him. You try to say something like, "This is the worst thing that's ever been recorded since my last conversation with Davey Boy in the car." <laughs> and they cut that off for some reason. Yeah, it's strange that uh, Lita. Um, again, they're all young kids. A lot of the most of them are young kids who have been told, "You're the voice of a generation." Give some hope. And uh, Lita said, "Like, oh no, whenever I'm you know, when I'm in when I'm having problems, I always take a deep breath." And she hopes that SmackDown this week is essentially the nation's deep breath. I was like, okay, that's, that's, I kind of got it. There's almost like, you know, when you see like the Miss World thing and they ask her like, hey, Miss World, how do you so- solve world hunger? It's like, fuck. It's it like, is a bit Just that. do your best. Just to say something. Yeah. I think some of, like I said, it doesn't need to be like verbose or deep or dramatic. You need to quote fucking war stories like Hayes, but like everybody else is like, yeah, just, just how are you feeling right now? Yeah. Again, would uh, d- do not read into this as us like, 
you know, critiquing people talking that's to the, I mean. the worst I'm, fucking time imaginable. Again, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, just because honestly, like whatever weak they, promo, two stars. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. Whatever they said at the time was the right thing to say. Yeah. You don't make a wrong choice in that situation. Whatever they said at the time was exactly the right thing to say. So I'm just, just for the sake of, uh, of, of, of commentary, reviewing some of the beats that they say. I don't go into too much detail on some of the other ones. Yeah. There's only one that we're going to There be is one that we go detail. into. You know it. <laughs> And it is still on the network, mm. which I was very surprised at. I was shocked it was still on the network. But here is the debut of Christian and his At Last You're On Your Own theme. Oh. It's the first version. No, it needs work. It better. does. He talked about it on the bump a little while ago. Okay. He said he hated it. What? It was perfect for him. I know. And he said, I talked with WWE about some ideas for music and having new music. We all are in agreement that this would be the way that we went. I get there and they're like, we've got your new music. We'll walk you through it. You'll hear it and you can come down the ramp to this. I heard it and I was like, this isn't what we talked about at all. This is the worst music I've ever heard. He said he walked through the curtain. And I think because I think he debuted it on Raw. I think he was in a match on oh. Raw because he says like he was in a multi-person match on Raw and as he made his entrance, he could see that people in the ring were like sniggering and laughing and like trying to hide their faces and he said he felt embarrassed walking but out that's to the, the ring. Point. That's the point. <laughs> it's meant to be like over the top and yeah. audacious and because that's the... I think I'm better than everybody. I Listen thought to it my was fantastic. I'm really, I'm really sad that the Christian who I always feel like has got a good grasp on on stuff that works and stuff that's funny didn't treat didn't get the value to this because it's fantastic it's perfect it's just it's so it's like that episode of Frasier where Frasier writes his own jingle and gets an orchestra in for like a beat that only means last like five seconds he gets a whole orchestra to sing it and I love how over the top it is it is so in keeping with Mm. who he is I liked him Uh, Christian's here he has big glasses so you know (laughs) I can't believe this doesn't fit my over-the-top personality. There's all this theme music looking like Elton John. <laughs> Christian asks him, how great is new theme? She's asking the crowd, obviously not backstage. Yeah. Ask the crowd, how great his new theme is? It's raining gold. And it's appropriate because he's about to win the IC gold soon. Mm. But not right now, as his Chris Jericho, who doesn't have a title. To make fun of Christian's theme because he can only do jokes on this staggeringly obvious. <laughs> Jericho says no one's going to forget his entrance or exit because he's going to beat him up again. <laughs> that was actually all right. It's fine, yeah. Jericho goes for the wall straight away, but Christian is able to block it and work the arm. Christian funnies about a bit, but then argues with the ref, and Jericho gets a roll-up while he's distracted because tonight ain't the night for five-star matches. <laughs> no, it was a fine, it was a fine outing. They knew yeah. what they were going to do. They went out and did it, and it was all right. That's in it. Yeah. Canyon, Taz, Tory, Hurricane, and Bubba Ray Dudley talk, and then followed by the Rocket. Any other thoughts on those? Segments? No, no. I mean, yeah, like, all, so. all, all. Well said bits that were the right thing to say for the for the yeah. people appropriate. Yeah, uh, that's Tom saying weak promos. <laughs> massive heat. Massive heat for me. Oh. That was the worst promo I've ever heard, you son of a... No, sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And then the Rock, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, heads down to the ring. The Rock says because it's a special night, he issues a special open challenge for his title belt. Sean Stasiak's here. He runs down, charges The Rock, who sidesteps and throws him out the ring. And The Rock repeats that he is issuing an open challenge tonight. As Stasiak is walking back up the ramp, (laughs) as The Rock was saying, open challenge. So Sean hears this, tries again. And gets the exact same result. <laughs> Heyman tells off The Rock for sidestepping the challenge of Stasia. <laughs> As The Rock uh, was saying, there is an open challenge. So Sean goes, bollocks. One more time, eh? Sean tries again, but Rock blocks him with an ill-placed hand. And The Rock asks him, what is it with you? The Rock's beaten you twice tonight. Does it feel good when The Rock does this to you? Doesn't it embarrass or hurt you? So, honey, relax. Let's talk about something people enjoy. And that's pie. Crowd cheers. Yeah. Does Stasiak like the pie? Sean gets the mic and goes, I hate pie. Crowd boos. <laughs> this poo-hating pussy. <laughs> Jim Ross says, how can you hate pie? But then JR. And then he must, <laughs> do you get the line even Ross, Even Ross is in the spirit of things. How can you hate pie? He must be a cake man. <laughs> Even Ross is feeling the love tonight. I think that JR coined the phrase cake to describe a bottom 20 years before TikTok did. I think JR beat everyone to nah, it. He was there with JYD when he was grabbing them cakes. <laughs> oh, grab them cakes. That's all you do. The Rock wonders if Sean Stajak loves the strudel. Bit before this gets weird. The Rock then asks Stacey Keebler. If she likes the people strudel, she nods along. She's up for it. She's like, yeah. But Stajak interrupts to get his title shot. Now, (laughs) no more talk of strudel and pie. The Rock says, sure. Rock will shake your hand and then we'll do it. Stajak's, that's fair enough, isn't it? Rock shakes his hand. Rock bottom, one, two, three. (laughs) Pie filled fun. (laughs) This was excellent. Again, coming back to what is needed on this night. We've had some, some wrestling matches and then a rock segment slash match like this. I think is absolutely perfect. I think everybody everybody loved it. I think Sean Stasiak played his part magnificently all the way through. He's so underrated. I love him. So He's the underrated. Dan Housen of SmackDown 01. Oh, Sean Housen. 
I liked, yeah. I'm sad that we won't see him. Like, I think we'll see him do Planet Stasiac next year. We actually we won't because he's on Raw. He's a Raw no. exclusive, so we won't Come we back. won't get Planet Stasiac. We'll dip in maybe. Um, but he, uh, but I, yeah, as you say, underrated. Just, just a figure of fun that absolutely embraced everything he was given. Christian, here's your new theme music. Oh, this isn't what I wanted. I wanted a Hollywood blonde. I wanted this. I want to sound like a badass. This is so ridiculous. Oh, I hate it. I'm going to complain forever. All right. Sean Stasia, you're going to look like the biggest idiot on the planet. I love it. Yeah. Sean, you're going to get thrown out the ring by the rock. I'll do it three times if you want. What, just once? <laughs> well, yeah, we stretched out a bit. More. Oh, good. He could get me the exact same bit three times. Oh. I think just Stasiak in the stratosphere of the rock. I think it's just fun. Yeah, why not? It's right, you know, it won't happen again. Let's enjoy Stasiak and The Rock being in the same atmosphere. Finally, Finally. Stasiak, Rock on SmackDown. Two was that's why people showed up. A second and a third generation superstar in the same place at the same time. That's right. Yeah, Stan. Second gen and third gen. Stan. uh, Stan Stasiak taking on Blue. Oh no, that's not right. (laughs) Rocky Johnson versus Stan Stasiak. Yeah, Stan the Man. Yes, I was happy I saw this because I'd seen this, that bit of him charging and the Rock just going. All right, anyway, but I remember <laughs> it was an open challenge. I genuinely thought Rock was like, like the Rock's gonna take on Steve Austin later tonight. Oh, I'm gonna get you. The stage acts comes like well, anyway, and it carries on. I'm like, oh, I remember it was an open he challenge. Did that, he did he that. He did that a couple of weeks ago anyway. Yeah, when Stage ran in and he was halfway through a promo on Booker T. Yeah, but I'd only seen this like this the gift and then Rock went back to what he was talking about and I thought, oh god, this is the best. You can add some context to it. Yes, yeah, so I was like, yeah, now it makes sense. Perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect segment. Ivory and JBL talk. Well, JBL rants and said we should turn whichever country did this into a parking lot, which I absolutely don't agree or defend. But the sake of context, he absolutely was not the only guy saying that at this time. Oh, this was the, the, the this was very much what people were saying. There was a like, lot of people. Um, a lot of very angry people. Yeah, there was one of the interesting thing is there's Howard Stern was on the end. There's the episode where. He's, he's on the air during the time when it happens and he's given commentary because he's like, just, yeah, a lot of people say, oh, what's happening? Mm. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. he's like a plane crashed in the Twin Towers. What, it was like, was that a bad pilot? Like, how does that happen? All this stuff, yeah, because he just doesn't know. And then later on, it's like, oh, and stuff comes in and he's like, yeah, we'll cancel that guest then, whatever, what it was supposed to be coming in. Yeah, no, he's appropriate right now. And he's just, yeah, because it's random. He goes, yeah, we should just turn, uh, yeah, the, the phrase turn it to a parking lot, which I think is a common thing for Americans. He says that as well. And, I was like to run it back like years later, but just go look. It was, there was lots of people defended him and go. That's how a lot of people felt. Mm, like it, yeah, fuck those people. And he's like yeah. So that was a JBL doing this again. It's a snapshot of a feeling at that time. It was um, the, the the perfect words from a Texas boy, Bradshaw. You got a standing ovation in the arena. I was gonna say yeah. Mm. JBL going Ooh, like that wouldn't work. JBL has to be like ah, oh, I'm gonna. Me and Stan Hansen are gonna just jump out of a plane and guns are blazing and yeah, and bro, yeah. It's it's almost like when you play your Bradshaw card with your we're in Texas card. Like his power and charisma is plus fifty. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Like I, there's there's a few Bradshaw moments that I that spring to mind. It's that where he's like, we're gonna turn him into a parking lot. We're America. We're proud. We're free. USA, USA. And it's a fully loaded two thousand when he faced Edge and Christian for the tag titles, and he's going, oh, yeah. we're the place which won four major championships. Yeah. Honest to God, just I'm expecting just 
come mm. everywhere as Bradshaw's talking. And the fact he didn't win the titles that night, I think it, it would have been, a, I'm surprised it wasn't a riot. But like, yeah, when he's in Texas, something in him just yeah. like goes, I'm going to go plus a million. Yeah. So this was the perfect storm. You know, you could have yeah. had Bradshaw be Austin that night for the title and <laughs> it would have been seen as excellent yeah. booking. JBL was a feeling. <laughs> he was a feeling. Suddenly, X Factor's overdub theme, which after JBL's round sounds like Mozart, uh, as they take on the APA in a very special not winning this match match. <laughs> they all slug it out as JR talks about hanging out uh, together with Heyman in Oklahoma. Um, it's cra- <laughs> I don't think I did that bit justice at all. I remember that. Yeah, because it's like, come on, Heyman, you want to hang out with me? In no, well, you, you could, you know. <laughs> it's just a weird little conversation, but it worked really so well. So making breaking bread during a really difficult yeah. time. You good? Well, I don't yeah. <laughs> come on, hang me. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> We're not that friends. Yeah, yet. come on. This is not make it weird. X Pac charges up his Bronco Buster, <laughs> and Heyman yells, "Chief J Strongbow lives!" <laughs> Fucking killed me. I love the J Strongbow reference because you know, like X Pac, if you're not familiar with this period of time, when you put the guy in the corner and he get ready, and you do the same like oh charging up thing that the tango would do. It's like a war dance, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah, a war dance. So that's. It looks like the chief day strong move. Heyman and Ross are just having fun on commentary <laughs> tonight, and and it's it's quite liberating. Yeah. So they've they, they've done like their serious bit where they've they've acknowledged what's happened, and now they're just sort of cutting loose. Yeah, they and really. I are. think Vince is giving them a lot of slack tonight as well, yeah. like to 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 be a bit sillier, yeah. which I think we needed. Absolutely, absolutely. And then needed. Bradshaw wins, of course, with a clothesline. Of course, from, he does. The clothesline from America, by <laughs> gosh darn it. <laughs> clothesline from hell, aka clothesline from the parking lot. Yeah. Strong. All along seemed to go. Anyway, Kurt oh. Angle talks, and then so does Big. Uh, sorry, Booker T and Big Show. No, horribly written, Matthew. The punctuation be a miracle here. <laughs> Kurt Angle talks, and then after that, Booker T and Big Show head to the ring. There we go. Uh, as Heyman grills JR about his love of barbecue sauce. So I only know that Booker T and Big Show are wrestling one another when the bell rings because the commentators stop paying attention. They start talking about, <laughs> was it in this match or the one before where JR was talking about putting barbecue sauce on Bradshaw's boot? It must have been it's in the last... something like that. And Heyman goes, wait, Tom, barbecue. And then some wrestling starts and like, you guys going to tell us what's happening? <laughs> no, all right, we'll figure it out by ourselves, which is absolutely fine. Show is over as hell. Uh, as he batters Booker like a Scottish Mars bar. <laughs> Show kicks out of two scissor kicks. What? But then Booker lands a standing version of the Harlem Hangover, which you don't see very often at this point in time, to win in a weird end to a quick match. Yeah, I mean, it was, again, we're just putting on matches for the sake of yeah. matches tonight, and it was, it was, you know, yeah. it was what it was. Don't worry, don't worry, Tom. My finisher didn't work twice. It's all right. Standing Harlem Hangover. No pop whatsoever. One, two, three. <laughs> It's just, and it's funny because like he <laughs> he would beat Big Show twice with the Harlem Hangover. Yeah. Again in two thousand and two at Vengeance. I love that. They'd you have another that. match. Yeah. yeah. It just it was. Yeah, I remember that as well. I watched it. I watched this match going. This is almost beat for beat their match they'll have next year. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of the fact that we had the axe kick on the announce table at Vengeance 02. Yeah. That was a good. That was a good match. That happened apparently. So Vengeance 02 was a bloody good show. You know, I, I don't I remember that weirdly. It's because now. it was supposed to be Booker beating X Pac. But O2 X-Pac is a funny little beast. And <laughs> allegedly, I'm not sure if he's ever said anything about it. Allegedly, he was just running rampant with like backstage pulls and did not want to lose. So it's changed to book a beaten big show. I, I look forward to go, revisiting that. Uh, Lance Storm and others talk. 
uh, then Lita and Ivory wrestle. As a reminder, Ivory only joined the Alliance as they didn't have any women who could wrestle. And I think everyone was expecting a, and I put here, tit fest, but Ivory, through kicking and screaming, manages to drag a watchable match out of Lita that goes a long time by comparison to the other matches on the card. Ivory doesn't waste any space between her shots, reminding us of their car crash match at Survivor Series 2000, which is finally ended with Lita smacking her daft and then disrobing to reveal her USA shirt and moonsaulting to win the crowds and some general in the crowd's approval. <laughs> I did not see this coming. Uh, salute for you. Uh, was it Michael Edwin Thornton? Our, our, yeah, our, why not? Our, our, our award winner, our medal winner, who was in the crowd giving the old eye salute. Oh, yeah, he had all the, the stuff on his chest. Yeah, yeah. So to speak. Lisa with the American garb and the... Ah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but these two were actually nice. having a really decent little match, which I just wasn't expecting. Good they, shout. Lita was not having those back then. But I forget, like, Ivory when the trying and stuff like that can actually knock out the park. Yeah, she can. On a show like this. Yeah. Well, yeah, all right. Why yeah, n- sure. I mean, why not? Go out there and go out there and, and smash it uh, and, and have a good time with it. Yeah. And Stacey Keebler, Steve Austin, Booker, and then <sighs> the one we've all been waiting for, if you've heard about this episode at all, Stephanie McMahon. Now, I can appreciate the feelings people had, but at this time, Steph's comment, and I'm sure Tom's got a, a full essay written on this, but a few years ago, some people tried to tear our family apart. Regarding the government's steroid trial is belief beggaring. Tom, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, Stephanie McMahon's talking head is the the talking head of all these that people speak most about for that very reason. Because as Matthew has said there, she compares the terrorist attack from Tuesday to the time that her father was put on trial for steroid uh, abuse and steroid um, dealing. The very specific thing that he was accused of was Vince Mann himself was distributing, so mm. which he wasn't doing. It was a very bizarre case where Vince Mann does actually have a point in saying he was the like the underdog in this, and he was the little unknown person, like, ah, the evil government are coming after me. But it was because they went after Vincent Mann of that very specific charge, because they found him guilty, then they would have been able to seize Titan Towers. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't give out Zahorian, but, yeah. Anyway, so, just a brief reminder there for people. But now, in, He found innocent in the court of law. Yes, of course. In some defence, in defence of Stephanie McMahon, because no one really jumps to the defence here, and again, as we have said throughout this episode, this is an episode of SmackDown that is live, that was put together very quickly with a very frazzled, very frightened team of wrestlers and rosters and talent. Some are very young. Stacy Keebler, who spoke a few minutes before this, she was 21, and she said, like, mm. I don't know what to make of this. Yeah. Like, and they're having cameras in front of them going, right, speak for the people. Steffi McMahon making the equation of her dad's steroid trial. Now, there is something to be said there because when she was 13, 12, 13, that's when her dad was on trial. Oh, okay. And she was in the courtroom when the jury decision was read out. So Stephanie was sat there with the very real possibility that her dad, who she's looked up to, her father figure, her mentor was about to go to prison. Mm. 
and genuine and and in figure four brian alvarez says like i was at most of the trial and i saw stephanie there and she genuinely looked traumatized by the whole thing as you would be i get why steph would make that equation because throughout the night people have gone i can't all we do as people is we try and rationalize things in a way that our head understands them mm. when they're a bit it's in a big way that, that's all we can do most of the people tonight terry runnels earlier who was who said like i can't rationalize this but i'm a mum. i can't i can't you know i can i think about all those children that don't have parents to go home to now you know and it's weird how like Lance Storm would go, I'm not American, but I'm a, a person. And I'm mm. like, this is how I, like, you shouldn't need to say that. But everyone's sort of rationalizing it in their own way. And this is just Stephanie rationalizing it in the only, with the only trauma, the only true trauma that in the real world, let's not talk about the, 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 the drive through wedding to Triple H, that didn't count. The only real trauma that she's ever felt. Mm. So that's why she said it. Um, was it an accurate thing? Absolutely not. The, 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 the two instances are very different and is seen by the wider world as being incredibly... Um, cognitive dissonance? Just like, cog yeah, uh, cognitive dissonance is a good way to describe it. Again, you'll be actually... Uh, there's a very well-reasoned, rational response here, Tom. I'm very impressed by you. Because but everybody yeah, just... Because it's easy just to kind of go, oh, I mean, I get why. Too. It's fun and it's easy. And everybody has just chipped away at this all the time and said, what a terrible thing to happen. And, and do you know what? It's not... It was, you know, there's no wrong choice of words, absolutely. But this mm. certainly wasn't the, the, the easiest choice of words to make and compare to because now everybody is looking at this under a microscope and going, what a terrible thing to say. Yeah. But she's only drawing from her own experience, as you rightly said, cognitive dissidence. She's trying to equate it in the best way because this is such a terrifying thing. Like To be mm. in that time was a terrifying time because you genuinely thought this is the beginning of World War Three. Mm. So we have to rationalize things. Yeah. in our own way and we have to do have mental set pieces that get us through and this is how stephanie mcmahon could equate it and she is the daughter of a sometimes billionaire sometimes millionaire yeah what, what experiences is she gonna share with us and vice versa exactly their their world time, is so weird i asked for a mink coat yeah and i got a leather one. <laughs> we can get through this. So, you know what? That's actually very well measured. And I hadn't considered it like that. And I bow to your superior uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's empathy. Just, but at I the same it's... time as well, also just to say this, um, out of context, you just want to punch her in the face. Watching this entire episode, though, in its full context, to give you the idea of understanding at this time where, again, not everybody is talking like, let me tell you something, you know, Houston. It's mm. Yeah, everyone's just being speaking normally and stuff like that. And get reminded, she's a billionaire. Well, you know, of course, they're all could be a bit out of touch with the normal people. That's mm. what money does. It hit less. It hurt less. It may, almost made sense in some context of, as you said, trying to rationalize it. So yeah, Which so you see the entire show. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Mm. When you see it as a whole piece, um, I think the the blame certainly falls at the feet of whoever cleared it to go out. Because Stephanie, that's how Stephanie equated it. It wasn't Stephanie that pressed play on the live episode of SmackDown. Somebody looked at that. Yep. Kevin Dunn looked at that and went, yeah, it's fine. Uh, was it brought up on the retrospective? Yeah. So quite a... So quite a so oh, was it? I'm okay. 
Oh, oh, in terms of like, oh, no, 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 it wasn't. Oh, not, not on the documentary. It's been brought up in figure four. Um, Steph was very, there was a lot of clips of Stephanie in the documentary. There is even a clip of her talking, but with the sound off as she talks over it. Steph's really emotional throughout like yeah. her bit talking, about watching all of this. Like when they did the documentary in 2021, Stephanie watching it back again. She's really emotional. Like she's really cut up by like watching it all again and reliving it all again. She's probably the most real person. I ironically, considering the, the way that the, this gets remembered, Stephanie McMahon in the documentary is probably the most real person on it. You can genuinely see that reliving all of this is horrifying for her. Yeah. Um, her and Lillian Garcia, um, I do believe. Uh, in the in Figure Four, uh, they they talk about this, and and she just gets ripped to shreds in the Figure Four for it. Love She's that. only in her twenties at this point as well. Mm. Like you know, we're not really formed people till we're in our thirties. Yeah. And even then, and even then, even then, <laughs> even then, for some of us, we're still work in progress. Um, the promo got such negative reaction that it was edited off the replay. It was edited out of the abbreviated version for um, for other markets. Uh, when XS played all, they played back all the uh, videos of all the talking heads, with the exception of Stephanie's, uh, which got left off. Uh, figure four say, from what we understand, the two main reactions the company received were the negative feedback from the Stephanie interview and a request to market the show as a videotape for people wanting to buy it. And I don't know whether that's, Ugh. I don't know whether that's because of the Steph thing or what, but we'll probably talk a bit more on that near the end. Um, but generally the Stephanie McMahon bit was, was left off of replays and recuts, but it's in its entirety on the network. They put it back on. I, think, don't quote me, that it was on previous versions on the W247, for example, that they cut this out. But they've been a more allowing for stuff on the network slash Peacock, so I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, which leads us to the Dudleys in Test, taking on Tajiri, Scotty Hotty, and William Regal. That's a select random team I've ever saw one. <laughs> uh, oh, and then Heyman's Hall of Fame moment as he sees Billy Gibson from ZZ Top in the front row. He's often seen at wrestling events, big wrestling yeah. fan. And says, oh my God, the boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> yes! Have mercy. <laughs> so Fucking died again. They you, are Raymond. just left off the leash. For if this, you don't know they? who the boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant is, he's probably still wrestling to this day. Um, <laughs> he looks a lot like him. He has a huge beard like that. And he's... Uh, He's probably as skinny as me, and he's still Gannon. Google the boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant. No, the fact he's still Gannon is great. He's just always still popular, and he's oh, whatever. Anyway, it's enough of boogie fab. woogie man. JR reminds us Tajiri did something impressive on Raw, but then Tess tags in and batters him. <laughs> so we don't find out what that was. Good on you, Taj. JR reminds us about Stephanie's failed marriage to Test and how he's so much more impressive than what he used to be. Wow, they really are letting it hang out tonight. They really are. I'm amazed that they brought up the marriage thing. And also, like, yeah, he is. Yeah, he got over her, and he's kicks ass now. Yeah. Yes, you're right, Jim Ross. Those are good points. Steph has said it was the most traumatizing moment. Oh. Right. What, we'll what, have to edit that version out the next time this podcast goes out. If, but when we put this on the Coleholic Network, we'll leave it back on. What if she said, like, what if she compared everything that went on to that time that Bulldog hit me with a bin? <laughs> Would we have given her a pass? <laughs> the events that happened on Tuesday were traumatic. And we must never forget them. Like how I forgot I was married to Tess <laughs> after David Boy hit me with a bin in 89. I overcame it. I, I got our it. I got our, I got our memory it. loss. 
I got over it. And since then, I've had no uh, bad effects and no banana cream to my brain. What if, <laughs> never mind that. What if Bulldog was still on the show? Oh, Bulldog, no. give us your thought. Oh. Hey, up. <laughs> what? Bloody horrible, this. What's like? happened? <laughs> Tonight, been the, in the Bulldog mine. is going to rumble incoherently. <laughs> to make you feel better at home in the <laughs> USA tonight. Then he's going to eat no, Burger King. No, because bear in mind that Bulldog is British. So he'll go, we'll never forget what happened on the, on the 9th of November. On 11-9. <laughs> what? No, it's 11-9. <laughs> you wazzock. <Never. laughs> Dickhead. All right. We did not get a Bulldog. British Bulldog, ladies and gentlemen. Who was that? Who was that? Just some compare. I don't know why. <laughs> Has he got his own compare, compare now? <laughs> Has he got like a Somalier? St. Clair's there. Just to, like, I don't know. He's got a Somalier, but he only gives him like tenants. <laughs> Cancer tenants. <laughs> Your tenants, sir. Oh, champion. <laughs> oh, that's oh. the best one yet, some Somalier. <laughs> See, even in this episode... Thank you, Somalia. <laughs> no, 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 sir, no. Thank you, Stephen. Whatever. Even in this episode, we squeeze in a little bit of new bulldog cannon for you. <laughs> it's got a Somalia that gives him tenants lager. <laughs> the real though, the red, white and blue on the ropes for me. Oh, my God, right. It's very Ooh. nice. I don't know why they've done it. Union Jack. Wait until Monday. We recorded a classic Raw review to Jack Atkins and I. And the question on the mailbag is, how would Bulldog get on on Celebrity Come Dine With Me? Jack Atkins' answer off the top of his head might be my one of my favourite <laughs> podcast moments ever. I might have to listen to that. You go, it's, you'll hear it Monday. There's a hook and a tease. You'll hear it Monday. Is it, I have to ask, because you're from the Northwest, if I had to thought, assume of some stupid thing, is it a, is it a pie bap? It's not. It, I can't even remember what it was that he cooked. I'll never forget going to Preston and <laughs> just see it the first time in a fish and chip shop window, pie bap. I went, <laughs> pie bap, and literally someone put the effort of putting the image of a pie in between two bread slices. Won't lie, on a drunken <laughs> night, I have eaten that way before. No. Of course I have. I need a, I need a sandwich. I've got a, got a pie in the oven. a sandwich. Hey. <laughs> yeah. The world is built on innovators. And <laughs> that is... You said it. That, that is up there with the iPhone for me. <laughs> the pie bath. <laughs> you think you've had a pie, you have a pie with two pieces of bread around it. Then put it in... Oh... I might do it and put it in the air fryer. Oh my god! No. Put it in a toasted sandwich maker. Oh no. my god! What a dream! Shut up! What? <laughs> Papa chops tajiri to get Tom to shut up. But tajiri's able put to tag him. Put chops in the air fryer. <laughs> he's able to tag in hottie. He's hot because he's been in the what? Air fryer. No, the sun. Oh. Who super kicks test? Tajiri missed Devon to prevent Regal from getting Devon's head in his balls. <laughs> Hottie sets up the worm as Heyman has a panic attack because his former company is currently being eaten by them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good line That's from good Pasty. Line. Oh, Christ, there's not many of them this week. That is a good line. <laughs> wow. 
Scotty lands the worm, but Good hot steps directly into Tess Big Boot. The best finisher ever. Nice little match here. More talking, and then Rhino, the man beast, takes on our main event, Kurt Angle. Oh, fuck it. Run, Rhino. Run. <laughs> on All-American Day, you take it on Kurt Angle. Yeah. Yikes. Kurt, in brackets, who knows a thing or two about having the horn, <laughs> just splats Rhino like a Sherman tank, which is a World War II USA tank, in case Tom asks. <laughs> Thank you, mate. The arsenal of democracy is stopped briefly as Rhino gets an elevated Samoan drop and the crowd doesn't even want to boo. Oh. They stop cheering. Uh, they, can, they go back on to cheering when Kurt gets on offense, and it's a hell of an interesting reaction. They don't dislike Rhino, they just like Kurt. So mm. they don't, it's, it's crazy. Rhino gets the belly to belly and sets up the gore, but Kurt sidestep it like a Keller KD-1, in brackets USA helicopter. And then they tease the Olympic slam, but Rhino escapes with an arm drag. And I appreciate these two stretching this out for a few more minutes in front of a crowd that only wants to see one thing. Yeah. Rhino amazingly connects with the gore, which has killed the rock at least twice, but Kurt kicks out. Mm-hmm. We'll allow it. Kurt punches uh, him twice, and Angle slams him to win this, to blow the roof off this historic occasion. Fair play to them doing slightly different and slightly more complicated than just going for squash. Kurt then ends the, uh, ends the show even, naturally, with a big old USA chant. It's uh, serendipitous once more that currently the number one guy in the company is this super Americana babyface. Which was kind of ironic and... Was it ironic on this? No, it's, ser- it's serendipity. It's the I fact that this a... is just the natural flow that we've been going in, and then this has happened. It's, it's interesting because I think it was almost this hard. You know, it's 2001, so it's before irony was properly invented. But like, it was to begin with slightly ironic, but then it's taken from out of its own. Him doing the Austin, the milk tank, him and Rock sharing milk that was gone off by three days, mm. and all the other stuff that he was doing. Uh, it's it's like being with like a, a nod and a wink. But now it's like, oh, no, no, no irony now. No, 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 no. no. The irony is do- is gone. Now you supercharge it. Yeah, irony's in the garden being eaten by the worms. <laughs> yeah, now it's like, no, full-blown USA. Incredible. And um, this, I think the, the events of this will uh, impact booking in the weeks to come. Yes. Big stuff. In a word. Um, this was the main event that we got on the, on the WWE Network, on SmackDown. But the live crowd got something very... Very different and very, very special. The boogie woogie man, Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> Jimmy Valiant. Got Hop the pipe the cleaners out for one last time. Bulldog returned with a bin. <laughs> to create a moment. Austin comes out after the main event, walks to the ring. And, and there's footage of this on the documentary. Mm. Uh, filmed as if they were going to air it, but they never did. Uh, Austin comes out, talks to the crowd and says, if there's anyone in the back who wants to fight me tonight, you come out here now and get your ass kicked, some bitch, some bitch, some bitch. The Rock's music hits. Place loses its mind. Mm. The Rock walks to the ring, stare down. We get Rock versus Austin for the live crowd in Houston. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for, mm. for saying no to, to terrorism and tyranny and fear. Here's fucking Rock Austin as your main event for just you for coming out. And from what I gather from The Observer, from Figure Four, from other outlets, they go about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Jesus, okay. And it's just scorching hot. It's a white hot match. They just go for it. They go for it like it's fucking WrestleMania all over again in Texas. Uh, It's a a fuck-off finish because the Dudley's running for a DQ, but the show ends with Rock holding up both the WWF and WCW titles briefly. 
Uh, but then it is Rock going ending the, the night, sending the fans home happy. Mm. Um, amazing. I love that that happened. Mm. And again, if you watch the documentary, they have like highlight reel of the match they had and they just mm. go for it. They just mm. went, sod it. Let's go for it. Let's, let's roll it back to April 1st, simpler times. And they did. It was brilliant. And I like, I also thought that canon canonically, angle headlining the show was the right thing to do in terms of like a, a, a special treat for the fans give them the biggest wrestling match we possibly can mm -hmm. right now and it's rock austin and they did and it's quite nice because it sort of bookends their their very uh unexpectedly controversial to some extent week in texas because we started on sunday with the first rock austin match since mania as a, as a mm -hmm. live event uh, live event and then it's the last thing we do before they pack up and move to tennessee and they're back on the road mm -hmm. no beats lost off yep. the races we go um bit of the aftermath of that smackdown welcome to the aftermath uh, Linda McMahon and Gary Davis, who is the WWS head of media relations, uh, do radio interviews for the next couple of days, actually defending they did the show because there's quite a few people who are like, you shouldn't be doing mass crowd gatherings so soon after this. And, and they're saying, well, no, this is our job. This is what we've got to do. We've got to get back to normal. George Bush said we've got to get back to normal. So they're on the uh, defense for a lot of this. Um, we wouldn't get this shown on UK TV until the Saturday. Uh, Sky got a very heavily edited version on its first showing, so um, which was a morning showing of SmackDown on Sky One. I want to say. Um, yeah, so it didn't, lay, it didn't air on Sky Sports. I think it doing, oh no no so it's they more weren't they do that yeah they weren't doing live stuff at this yeah. point. Oh yeah, of course. Sorry. All the references to the news and the events that had happened were taken off of the the Sky One version. Uh, all that was left was the, in, was the matches and the show went 51 minutes as a result of that. They got rid of the Van Damme-Spike Dudley match because so much of the commentary was talking about the news. They just scrubbed it. Why? The show aired later that night at 10 p.m. in a less edited form at one hour and 45 minutes with commercials. Edited off the show included the interviews by Vince McMahon, Michael Hayes, Deborah, and Bradshaw, as well as parts of the interviews by Farouk, Steve Austin, and Taz. It appeared they were editing out all talk of retribution and retaliation for whatever reason, as it isn't as though those subjects haven't been heavily discussed in the news in the UK already. Yeah. Uh, so... It was so that's so it was more a case of they they wanted to edit out anything that talked about getting back at, at the uh, at the at Al Qaeda as it would turn out to be that was responsible getting back at the terrorists. I, I don't know whether that was more a a concern of TV standards and practices here in the UK, more a BBFC issue where they're like you know let's you know let's let's have some levity obviously sky subsidiary b sky b owns sky news and uh they're part they were still part of the murdoch mm. uh, the murdoch corporation at that mm -hmm. time so the reporting on that whilst the reporting on that was very honest uh it certainly wasn't as uh, sort of aggressively pro-american pro-retaliation as some of the uh, scenes in the states were so maybe i can only fathom it was a way to counterbalance some of that like they didn't really want us on, on a UK where the UK is a little bit more 
nervous in terms of TV broadcasts and stuff on a station that was yeah, owned by enough, a big group and they own a news channel that was reporting what was going on. They were nervous about having one of their other subsidiary channels having a show where they talk about going back and getting the terrorists and sort of trying to, you know rally people a little bit. Well, ironically, a lot of TV does that now anyway, but certainly back then they didn't mm. want to be seen to be doing that. So I think that's why that is the case. I was messaging my uh, lovely guy, uh, Richard Land, who watches these. Uh, who hey, watched, Richard. Well, he's not working hard on the Conrad podcast, which he also works on. Oh, wow. And he just said, let me know if there's any footage or the live feeds that we can give you. And obviously watch them and see what differences uh, happen. And I went, that's, that's great. That's amazing. Now I'm asking him if he has any um, Smackdown AM episodes. I don't know why you collect that, but you never know. You never know. Um, so you, all know references. you know if you've seen a SmackDown AM episode, because every time somebody would go for a chair shot, you get a, a quick mm. cut to someone in the crowd. That's how you know it's a SmackDown AM episode. Yeah. So I'm asking <clears> me, hey, got the 9-11 episode where they moved all the references to 9-11. I, I, what the hell must it look like? SmackDown AM is very different to regular SmackDown. For one, SmackDown AM has a different actor voicing Dr. Robotnik, and it's a much darker theme. <laughs> That's a niche within a niche within a niche within a niche within a niche. Just for you. Sums up the show, really. It does, doesn't it? Um, <sighs> there you go. That was uh, SmackDown from September the 13th, 2001. Mm -hmm. A very different way to start the year, my friend. Absolutely. But cool. I'm really glad that we talked about it. I'm glad that we sort of timelined it and, and, and gave it the levity that it needed. Yes, I believe, and I think we've done a good job here. There's obviously nothing that we need to edit out of a uh, the the <laughs> classic SmackDown AM feed. If there is, you don't know about it. Aha. But Krusty forgives you. Uh, yeah. So next week we'll be back to uh, I guess our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. That'll be a thing. We're now on the road to Unforgiven 2001. Uh, some big changes on the roadmap ahead as a result of some of. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The events in the real world, which we are quite excited to talk about going into 2023, how the, how the wrestling world is going to change in the next 12 months of our program in 2023. By the time that we finish up the year 2023 and the year of our Lord, Everything's going to look very different. Oh, yes. Yes. And we'll get into that together. Anything you want to shout about for this weekend, next week? Any Not really. Stuff? No. no uh, excuse me. I'm still just taking on. Keeping on, keeping on. Yeah. Boring Matthew. I would like to... I, I, I sent you a voice message to tell you this, <laughs> but I want to definitely bring it up here. I had a few days last week where I was off sick 
and which was a, a hell of a start to 2023. I got that sort of the back end of that weird, not COVID, COVID oh, yeah. that's doing the rounds and just felt a bit sorry for myself this one day. And then Botchamania popped up on me, listed, oh, you, you need to watch Botchamania. I was like, okay. And there was just a bit in there which <laughs> just creased me where you had, you always have this lovely little image of Taz in the corner when Taz is doing dark, insipid dark commentary. And then Taz has since commented on it saying, that's how I used to look for I lost all the weight. And then you immediately swapped it out without acknowledging it to like the muscly dog, but with Taz's head. <laughs> and it just caught me off guard when I was a bit under the weather. And it was, it was once again, the, the gift of Matthew Gregg making me smile. So thank you, friend. Thank you, mate. I had a few people going, that was the highlight of the episode. And I'm glad it tickled you. Cause it's like, really oh, did. I'm sick. I'm like, oh no. For your stupid video cheer me up. I'm like, yay! USA! 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 That's all you can ask for, really. So thank you, Tom. For oh, uh, we'll have more on the real world of wrestling. It's been a wild old time. Uh, I'm glad that, hey, in a weird way, this has been an escape from that. Oh, God. In its own weird way. What a terrifying compliment. I know, right? And it's just, uh, but we'll have more throughout, obviously, the week at cultaholic.com. And uh, until we're next back together, he is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we're at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Love you. Bye. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.